0: You're on ESPN Plus and ESPN Caribbean alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sevi Salazar for the first live edition of the show in 2024, episode 316. Herc, how are you doing? Did, did I see on social media something about a, a New Year's resolution? You're going to be nicer in 2024? On social media, not here. Be, okay, be okay. kinder on
1: social media. Yeah. No, no, I, I, be kind of just in general. One of one of my many New Year's resolutions, good mm-hmm. to be here. Can we still say Happy New Year? Uh, producer Beto and I got an got in an argument about this. And he still doesn't want to I said no. The the bet is no. Mm-hmm. He says mm-hmm. December 3rd Larry David says it. I said it's December 7th. I found an article where he says it in two different episodes, so no bet. Mm-hmm.
0: It's look, it's the first time we're seeing each other here live on Football America. So I think in that context it's it's fair to say Happy New Year. All right, we got some good guests on today's edition of the show. Nikki Bandini is going to join us in just a few minutes. We're going to talk some Syria with her. Got some Americans, a couple of them, and a Canadian that are going to be doing some big work in 2024 in the Italian top flight. We got an interview with Crystal Dunn, just big free agent signing with Gotham FC. They're loading up, looks like a super team maybe in NWSL. And speaking of super teams, we got Luis Suarez. It's officially official now, Herc. Uh, Going to be joining up with Lionel Messi and company down at Inter Miami we'll discuss that plus some late breaking news here Chicharito headed to Chivas uh, we've talked about that quite a bit on the show over the last few weeks but looks like it uh will now be the path that the legendary Mexican striker takes. Let's start the show off, though, with some uh, Copa Italia action from earlier today. Uh, round of 16. Juventus playing Salernitana. Uh, no memo on this one. He's still hurt. Tim Wea off the bench and hurt. What a golazo here to make it. Six no, no,
1: no, 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 no. <laughs> that looks like George Wea, not Tim Wea. You see where he hit that mm-hmm. from? My man's first goal for Juventus and what a golazo that is. You can't strike that better.
0: Uh, as I mentioned, way. Uh, coming off the bench in this one. Weston McKinney got the day off. But uh, Juventus, big 6-1 winners against Salernitana there. And that moves them into the quarterfinal round of the Italian Cup. More Coppa Italia. Uh, This was actually from Tuesday. Her similar situation. uh, AC Milan taking on Cagliari. Like way, Christian Pulisicin, also a second-half sub. And he gets what we're calling an assist here on Rafael Lau's, uh, stoppage time goal. Uh,
1: listen, he opens it up, he finds a player. He honestly should have had about two other different assists. Rafael is kind of wasteful uh, towards the end of this game. Uh, maybe could have serviced Polisic a little bit more, but Polisic, he's proven his worth.
0: Milan winning 4 uh, 1 there. They're through to the quarterfinals as well. That assist from Polisic. Uh, followed Christian's game winner over the weekend against Sassuolo in a one nothing victor. Here's a look at some of the numbers for Christian Pulisic so far this season. Uh, just in the league alone, six goals, four assists. Uh, it's not a wild stretch of the imagination to say he could hit double digits. Goals and assists just in league play uh, in his first season with AC Milan in Serie for more on this story, thrilled to welcome into the show our good friend and colleague, Nikki Bandini. You've seen her on ESPN FC. You can follow her work at ESPN.com. She's a co-host over on the uh, Serie A Chronicles as well. A great podcast if you want to get caught up on Italian football. Uh, Nikki, thanks for staying up late. First things first. And welcome back to the show. Thanks so much.
2: And no problem, at all. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: All right. So uh, as folks who watch this show frequently know, I... Oftentimes, end up in situations where I have to do mea culpas, and so that's how we're going to start uh, this edition uh, of Football Americas. Look at Herc; he's he's very ready for this one. So recently, we were talking about Christian Pulisic <laughs> and the great start Nicky at AC Milan, and Herc, you know, while he was riffing, said Christian Pulisic has been AC Milan's best player this year, and I thought, whoa, 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 let's bring us back to reality a little bit. We had Shaka Hislop on the show. He's like we got guys like Raphael, like we got big names. It's is not possible, is I it? Watch. After the last couple weeks, um, I'm not so sure. So, Nikki, is it fair to say that Christian Polisic is, if not AC Milan's best player, among their best players? And do you think, if he keeps this pace up, that by the end of the season we could be having kind of team of the season talks for Christian Pulisic in his first year of Syria?
2: I feel like you're setting traps for me here. There's a <laughs> fine line between a few different questions that you just asked. Mm-hmm. One is, has he been their best player this season? Which is a different question to, is he their best player? Because if you're going to ask if he's their best player, then I'm going to say, well, that's a World Cup winner in that team. There's Rafael Leao in that team. There's Teo Hernandez in that team played in the last World Cup final. I think there's a few players in that team who maybe have uh, a better claim to being better, the best player in that team overall. Has he been the best player this season? that's a slightly more interesting conversation I think Giroud still might be ahead of him in that particular debate given that Giroud has more goals and of course when you think about one of the most impactful moments that Pulisic has had in this season which was scoring that equaliser against Newcastle in the Champions League which became this turning point for them and, and saved their European campaign really yes it was Pulisic who put the ball in the net but who was it who made that really clever pass inside the area who didn't take the shot on himself to create the opportunity well it was still Olivier Giroud so I'm pushing back a little bit but at the same time I I think it's not crazy to put him in that conversation of who has been Milan's most important player this season. As you just had up on the screen with the stats uh, combined 12 goals and assists I don't think he's had numbers like that in four years, I don't think maybe since his first season at Chelsea. He's been scoring exceptional goals when you think about the one against Brozino and when Mike Manion went over the top to him and he beat three defenders before doing that little no-look chip over. But more the goals he's he's just been involved in almost everything for Milan I think it's interesting when you get into the numbers the 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 stats at Milan he doesn't show up at the very top spot in, in any category goals um dribbles passes anything like that but he's very near the top in most of them and I think that reflects what a immediately central player he's become uh before that game against Newcastle, you saw all of the newspapers in Italy were making this discussion about Milan have to look to their senators. They have to look to their leaders. And they were naming Giroud and Pulisic because he's a guy who's played a lot of games in Europe and who's got these experiences and he turned up. So I think he is a, a really, really important player at Milan already. I think when you talk about all of Serie A, he's in the conversation of... One of the very best signings anywhere in the league this summer. I think the other name that you jump up with him right away is Marcus Tura at yep. Inter, but there aren't many others. Um, and I think there's there's so much in it. You can look at the numbers. You can listen to the the, the head coach uh, Stefano Pioli when he talks about how he's he had this uh, seminar recently with journalists at Milan's training ground. And he talked about how the shape of the team, even though it looks like something consistent, sort of four two three one. It isn't balanced. He he sets the team up in a way to deliberately encourage opponents to play the ball out to Pulisic's side and not lay outside because he knows Pulisic will give him more defensively as well. So he's he's a really important player, and he's really stepped up and become something important to, to Milan almost immediately since joining there this summer.
1: Okay, Nicky, you see what Sevy did there. He, he changes my words. I let him go on his little rant when he said <laughs> I called him the best player. I've been saying he's arguably the best player but I'm mm-hmm. going to go out right now and say I don't think it's arguable anymore. I, you look at that transfer. You're talking about one of the best uh, transfer signings uh, in Serie A. In, what's it, 20 million euros. That is a steal for what Christian Pulisic is today. There is no other player in Serie A with his numbers in the month of December. If we go to this team right now, his importance, his goals, his assists, the timely manner in which he scores them, or in which he is there at that moment, they've given this Milan team some big moments, some points. And if we want to go further. He makes those around him better. I honestly think his numbers would be better if the players around him, Nikki, would be better. I can't tell you how many times I am pulling out my hair when Rafael Al is wasting opportunities that Christian Pulisic puts on a platter for him. It could be better for him. He's been as good as advertised. He's brilliant anywhere you put him on the pitch, which leads me to this question. Is there a possibility that we see Christian Pulisic in the middle as a number 10 pulling the strings mm. for Milan?
2: There's a possibility. Um, actually, we saw a little bit of that in the, the Coppa Italia game that we just had the highlights of up on the screen. And it's something that Stefano Pioli talked about after the game. Yes, the other, one of the other big signings this summer was uh, Samuel Chiquese. And the idea that you could have Leao on one wing, Chiquese on the other wing, and maybe... Pulisic through the middle is the one that I think people have been a little bit tantalised by ever since Pulisic showed up having said that as Pioli also pointed out he said this idea of, of, of Pulisic as a trequartista as a number ten, I, I like it but he also pointed out Patrick Ways is off to the African Cup of Nations now so we're not going to do that for a little bit so Maybe eventually. I think it, it certainly is, is in Pioli's thinking, but right now I think we're probably going to keep seeing him on that opposite flank to to Leao, partly for the reason that I that I just mentioned. Pioli is deliberately trying to encourage teams to play the ball out to Pulisic's side because he doesn't trust. That opposite flank where you've got – it's not just Leao, actually. It's the fact you've got Leao and then Teo Hernandez behind him, who's a brilliant player but not always the most defensively-minded defender. Um, So having Pulisic on the opposite side is is actually really important to the way the team is balanced right now.
0: Christian Pulisic in the middle of the park. Yes, please. If we have to wait till after the uh, Africa Cup of Nations, (laughs) I'm okay with that. But uh, I've been screaming from the rooftops about a lot of things, but definitely about that for a while. I love Christian Pulisic through the middle of the park. All right, thank you so right now, uh, Milan are third. We got Juventus in second, and a lot of people will tell you that a, a big part of Juventus' success so far this season is Weston McKinney, and what's really interesting about that is if you go back to the summer, I don't think anybody um, would have been saying that. Uh, here's an interesting comment from Max Allegri about the American midfielder. Uh, it's not that he's changed. He's grown, said Allegri. His experience at Leeds has matured him. He didn't have a good experience because they were relegated. He's back, still wanting to stay. We're halfway through the season, and he has uh, five more months where he wants to do even more. That's a good quote from Allegri, uh, but I particularly, Nicky, uh, like this from Tutosport, which I think is out of Turin, right? So I think it's kind of the hometown paper there. They're doing a mid-season review of Juventus. They said uh, in the summer he was on the market, now he is immovable. Shout-out to our friends at the USMNT Only for the quick translation there. Uh, what do you think? What are the factors here that's led to this resurgence, this turnaround, whatever you want to call it, for Weston McKinney? Uh, at juventus
2: yeah i guess i almost want to say first like first to your audience because i don't know if people are going to be watching this and thinking oh she's blowing smoke you know these guys uh are talking about u.s players and they're making this sound better than it is these are if if mr mckenny or christian pulisic wasn't doing it i would i would be honest about it but these are two players who are, who are performing really well right now and mckenny it's not to the same degree you don't talk about McKinney, in my opinion, as one of the the stars of that Juventus team in the way that Pulisic is becoming a star of the Milan team. But he is a starter on that Juventus team and that Juventus team is challenging for the Serie A title. They are right on Inter's heels, two points behind and have been... uh, keeping up that pursuit really consistently i think last time i came on i talked to you about how west mckinney had to some extent almost blocked Tim Ware on the right hand side of the formation he'd been playing out at right wing back and playing very well and it was making it hard to see how we was going to get those opportunities actually since then he has moved back into that position, the half wing in, in midfield which is the one which in the past he said is the one he wanted to play more and, and just, whether it's there or or at the right wing back, both positions, he's been just very consistent. Uh, Not special, not eye-catching, not always the player who you think, wow, that was the best guy on the pitch, but he's been absolutely solid. And I think what's changed I actually had a a sit down with Weston really recently for a magazine called 8 by 8 really interesting conversation with him. And I think the number one thing that's changed, to be totally frank, is is his attitude. And I think he would tell you that when he talked about the experiences he had in Leeds and the things that went wrong there. And of course, there were a lot of factors, including the fact that the coach who brought him in was gone within about, a few weeks and and then they had four more coaches the rest of that season. But when he talks about it, he he owns it as well, even despite those external factors. He says, look, I, I went there and perhaps I'd got to a point in my career where almost everything had come too easily. He'd gone to Germany, he'd been a success, he'd gone to events, he'd gone to starting team, he'd gone to Premier League and he just assumed that everything was going to keep working out for him and, and he was complacent and he wasn't working as hard as he should have done. And that experience at Leeds he has framed it for himself as a positive because it was the kick up the backside for want of a better way of putting it than he needed. He needed to go back out and work. He did this summer. I think he has talked elsewhere about coming in at his best weight in years for, for this summer. And he's showing it on the pitch because Weston McKinney is not Christian Pulisic in terms of the technical ability, in terms of their, again, eye-catching talent. For Weston McKinney to be the best player that he can be, he has to be grafting. He has to be working hard because that was always what defined him. He was the guy who was going to put himself everywhere. And he's doing it right now. And Max Allegri loves that because Allegri wants a team that that works hard in the opposition that wants that one nil win hard in the opposition because that is how Juventus wins games and and he's he's fitting into that and being a soldier and being what Juventus need at the moment
1: Nikki, I'm glad you brought up Leeds. And I think that's a, a pivotal moment in his career because the fans at Leeds, the relegation, the coach, you know, being American, the American players coming in, he was part or labeled as one of those problems. The fans would label him as overweight. It, it's good to see him go into a situation where nothing was given to him because, Seb, if you remember correctly, here in the States, Juventus did a preseason tour. Who wasn't going to come? It was Weston yeah. McKinney. They left him out of the preseason tour. In the end, he ended up coming. And then when he gets a chance with Allegri, Max Allegri, he ends up playing as a right wing back competing against Timothy Weah. That didn't last for long because he's gotten 16 straight games since in the center midfield. He's gotten 90 minutes in the last 10 games. Locatelli, Rabiot, he's a perfect complement to these players. And for Allegri, he's a utility knife. He really has changed what has always been, I guess, that that thing that fans labeled him. Displacent, lazy at times. He's logged in, he's in, he's ready. He does seem like a different player, but with the same attributes. Good two-way player and an ability to arrive late in the box and set pieces.
0: What about long term, Nikki? What do you think his long term future is at Juventus? Obviously, right now there's a role, but we know it wasn't that long ago that you know they had him you know ready to sell. So, do we think there's a, a long term space for him in that midfield?
2: I feel like it, in so many clubs, in so many situations right now, it's hard to make really confident long term predictions. But I think Max Allegri likes him. I think Max Allegri, frankly, wasn't the one chasing him out the door to begin with. Um, Allegri. Yes, of course, he will talk as well about how the great teams have great individual players. He's talked about how made these parallels of basketball, about how in the end you want LeBron with the ball at the end of the game when, when the shot clock is running down and he wants that at Juventus too. But first and foremost, he wants players who are going to buy into his kind of football, who are going to sacrifice themselves. And McKenney has, has always done that for him. It's why McKenney was starting games even before he went to Leeds. For the club, McKinney was was it a, uh, a piece that they could afford to, to lose. He was someone who was, uh, at that time, they felt something they could cash in on. And, and the reality is that Italian football, most clubs have to make those choices sometimes. They have to sometimes take the money from leagues like the Premier League and say, OK, that's a way for us to continue to maintain our balance sheet and make sure that we're always turning profits. And that may be the truth again in the future. McKenney is not good enough even though he's a really good player to be that indispensable piece the one that you would absolutely not sell for any cost so I can't tell you a a, a forever a, a forever promise about where he's going to be or even where he's going to want to be what I can say is again having spoken to him really recently he's really really focused and happy about what he's doing in Turin right now. He's enjoying being at Juventus. And he has, I think, quite a single-minded goal right now, which is to win the league there. When we talked about that position issue, actually, I was saying in the past, you've always talked about preferring playing to field because you like not to be involved, both ends bends the pitch and here, there and everywhere. And he said... Yeah, you know, when I was younger at Schalke, I perhaps felt like I'd made a mistake by being that joker who was willing to play here and play there because it meant I never got a role to call my own. But he said, honestly, right now, all I care about is being in the team and contributing because what I'm focusing on is that I want to win the league. And I think that that is, in the short to medium term, going to be his future is trying to do that with Juventus. We'll see whether or not they can do it. They have a great inter team ahead of them. Um, But... I think that he's not getting ushered out the door anytime soon who knows in the summer maybe someone comes in with an offer that juventus feel like is is too good to, to say no to but right now he's locked in
0: from a relegation scrap to a title chase i'd say it's uh, worked out pretty well so far for weston mckinney nikki before we let you go it is that time of year we got transfers flying left right and center and some of them are actually uh, getting done one of them Concerns one of our guys from over here in CONCACAF, that's Tejan Buchanan, making a move to Inter Milan. They just completed the deal for the Canadian international, former New England Revolution winger as well. He's going from Club Bruges in Belgium to Serie A for a reported fee of around $10 million, 7 million euros. I think the Revs are going to get a a share of that, a percentage as part of the sell-on. Buchanan is 24 years old. He debuted for Canada in 2021, and he already has 35 caps. Uh, Nikki, what more can you tell us about this move? I was on, on Twitter today and I saw you know the video, the paparazzi is there. It is medical. It doesn't sound like a big number, like 7 million euros doesn't sound like a lot, but it sounds like there's a lot of hype in Italy around this move. Is, is that fair?
2: I think there's a certain buzz around it. He's the first Canadian to play in Serie A, although uh, interesting, there is another Canadian actually right now on Inter's youth team, so he'll have a Canadian ally, I suppose, there if he, if he wants one. But I think some of it is that. There's always that little bit of international buzz when I mean, you get a player from uh, a, a new country, and I will say it's it's still true in Italy. I think North American signings always get that little bit of extra interest, and that just speaks to the cultural fascination that has always been there. As long as, as, long as I've lived, there's always been a certain Italian fascination with with North America. I don't think he's necessarily going to be walking straight into that Inter team. In fact, I'd say pretty confidently he won't be. I think he's viewed very much as an alternative to Denzel Dumfries at the right wing back position. I think he's going to play because Inter have got a lot of games coming up. They're going to try to compete to win the Scudetto, to win Serie A. And they also, having gone to the final of the Champions League last season, want to see if they can Do that sort of thing again go deep in the competition and when you're competing on several fronts you you need a lot of players you need options um but i think for now that's likely to be his role is backing up Denzel Dumfries on the right wing back position because Inter needed some depth there very much
1: yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think the idea for him or interest for him to play this season, if anything because of the growth decree, you know, the Italian government gives uh, these teams tax benefits. Uh, it's a lot easier to pay taxes on Tejon Buchanan's uh, salary than it would be on Dumfries' salary. So Dumfries may be on the way out. And with Juan Cuadrado out for the foreseeable future at his age, this could be a massive move or a massive opportunity for Tajon Buchanan.
0: What about the other clubs, circ that we're interested in? We heard uh, Atleti out of La Liga, Brantford Manchester out of the Premier City. League. I think Torino out of Syria, yeah, Manchester City. So there was there was a lot of interest in this player. Um, you think this is the best spot for him, Hark? Uh, well, it's it's got to go both ways, right? So you got to go somewhere
1: you think you can play. And I just mentioned Cuadrado's out. That was the backup. Dumfries is mm-hmm. on his way out, most likely. Looks like that, Nicky. You can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But that's a big, massive opportunity to be in a platform like Inter Milan with a opportunity, realistic opportunity to play and very, very uh, in the foreseeable future, I should say.
0: Yeah, you think he'll be a part yeah. of this title push?
2: I I think he's going to... He's going to play this season because of what I said before. Because you need you need depth, and I think if anything, that's the one thing that Inter have perhaps been worried about. They've made a really great start to the season. They've scored by far the most goals, and said yeah, they've got the most clean sheets, and said yeah, they've been the best team, and said yeah. But every now and then, when someone's missing, you look and think, is this team as deep as it used to be? So I think for this season, he he will get minutes, and I'm interested to see how he contrasts with Dumfries. My impression is that he's a slightly more exp- um, slightly more light and slightly more technical player than Dumfries Uh, slightly more variety in terms of coming inside rather than always pushing outside but I don't think he's as polished a player as Dumfries I know he hasn't had the best last season in Bruges so it's it's been a bit of a a mixed bag where he's coming from I think Herc is, is on the money about what comes next? I just alluded to it with Juventus and the fact that Italian clubs have to sell. Dumfries, I think is absolutely one of those assets who went there, even when they signed him, they knew it's a player we're hoping to add some value to and sell him in a couple of seasons to, to make a profit. And I think probably Buchanan's the same sort of story. You think he's going to plug that role for the next few years and, and maybe given the cheap fee, he'll be another piece. They look to do that within a few years time, but for sure, I, I think it's a good landing spot for him because Simone Inzaghi has kind of a track record of working with players about his age in his position. You look at Federico Di Marco on the opposite side. That was someone who came back to the club, having previously been in a youth team who most people thought wasn't good enough for Inter. But Inzaghi saw something in him and he's become, in my opinion, one of the better Wing backs in in Europe now, so I think he's done that there. I think Dumfries has shown clear improvement and over time under Inzaghi. This system, the 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 three five two that Inzaghi plays, I think favours the, the wing backs. So he will get his opportunity with time. I, I can't promise you what he'll do with that opportunity, but I think Buchanan definitely will get his chance, whether it's in or later.
0: To his to his pursuit for playing time, he's also versatile. He can play on both sides. He's played multiple positions up and down the wing in Belgium. Not sure how that translates to Serie A, but it, if you're if you're fighting for playing time, it always helps to have your hand in a couple pots there. So uh, certainly that could be the case for Tejan Buchanan. Nikki, thanks so much for staying up late. Uh, thanks for being with us here on Football America. You're the best Serie A expert we got. We're going to keep coming back to you, uh, hopefully earlier
2: and earlier in your day, but
0: really appreciate the time. Thank you so much.
2: No props guys. Again, thanks for having me on
3: And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jet's Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why?
0: Okay, Eric, we started this segment with an American goal abroad. Let's keep that theme going here as we run it back in a championship. Josh Sargent with a goal as Norwich played Southampton to a 1-1 draw on Monday. It's his second game back after the ankle injury.
1: Yeah, it's a sweet little move right there. Great movement, great touch, ridiculous colasso. It's all in the movement. He sees the run. Perfectly played in his stride,
0: beautifully finished. Four goals so far this season for Sargent, who got off to a really good start before the injury. Haji Wright with a goal for Coventry City in their 3-1 win over Middlesbrough. This one also on Monday in the championship. He's got three goals and three assists in his last six league games, Herc.
1: Yeah, the craziest part about this is that he has those three goals and three assists in the last six as a left winger. (laughs) Okay.
0: Like we said, versatility always helps when you're trying to make the roster uh, and get those minutes. Wasn't a great start for Haji Wright uh, in the championship, but he has certainly rectified things here as we hit the midway point of the season. All right, so it's a new year, Herc. And in a new year, what more do we need than a new top five list from Hercules Gomez of his current depth chart? of U.S. strikers, okay? So this is your homework today. Why don't you walk us through your top five U.S. strikers? A depth chart I should remind folks that you yourself were once on. Uh, yeah absolutely yeah. all right you're know, in the top five I,
1: yeah yeah well i had to be if i was a starter right, that's uh, right. so so I, I know how your mind works i i know oh, how i know how it goes that's scary i Somebody. put i put out tweets and then your mind starts going producer beto's mind starts going so i knew the moment mm-hmm. that i mentioned josh Sargent and his talent that this was going to go off there was going to be a nine conversations so let's go my top five nines all right we can do it number
0: five Brandon Vasquez. Now, whoa, ba- whoa. wait a second. Wait a second. This is a this is a change from the production meeting. What's happening here? Well, well let me let me get let me get to what I'm talking about. Okay. 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 Now, now, okay. honestly,
1: this fifth position is is very interchangeable. And, and if anything, I'm putting a warm bod in here, the warmest of the warm bodies because there we can go with Jordan Pifak, who, I mean, the man started scoring goals and then literally blew his quad out. I think it was, a, if that was the quad or Hammy, I forget what it was, but he's been out for like almost two months, so you can't put him in there. And then we could even put in a Jesus Ferreira, who had a better statistic year for both club and country than Brandon Vasquez, but he's been out a little longer than Brandon Vasquez, so whatever you want in there. So I'm gonna put Brandon Vasquez in there because Daryl Dike, as we know, is still injured. He's actually, Back from the men. He's actually clear to train, but not clear to actually be in a game yet. So we can't add him in that fifth spot as of right now. So it's Brandon is kind of by default. And guess what, maybe Duncan McGuire, because it's an Olympic year, Mm -hmm. the Olympics roll around, will be in this conversation because he'll certainly get plenty of minutes, plenty of opportunities for what's to come, the Olympics. But right now, it's it's Brandon Vasquez, which is why you see the change. I don't want to put in a hurt guy there, but it's very interchangeable, and I don't think anybody's Mm -hmm. gonna disagree with that, okay? Next, number four. All right, this one was uh, a little easier. It's Haji Wright. Now, Haji Wright, He's on fire he's got three goals three assists in the last six games and he's doing it as a winger uh, he, he's also the only guy in this depth chart that's a nine and scored a world cup goal people forget that he was the last nine true nine world cup goal scorer since clint dempsey and, and i'm being very generous in that true nine spot you probably have to go way back to to maybe brian mcbride as a true nine scoring a goal in a world cup He did his thing, he's continuing to do it right now and he's doing it as a left winger. I'm gonna give him the four spot right now. All right, number three. Now, number three is a little easier for me, Uh, Josh Sargent. Now Josh Sargent last season was on fire. On fire, okay? Finally gets a chance to play as a nine for Norwich because he wasn't when, when Pookie was there. Plays as a nine for Norwich and he's on fire. Starts the season, this season, okay? Scoring goals, on fire. And then in one of those goals, the Huddersfield goalkeeper rolls on his ankle and 14 minutes in after he scores, he's out. And he's not played since. And by the way, look at Norwich's record when he's not in and he's not played since. They've not been good. Two games in, okay, back from injury, substitution cameos and he's back to his goal scoring ways. I maintain the most talented nine in this pool of forwards. It's Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent is deceivingly big, deceivingly fast, a good touch. He can play multiple positions, understanding of how to link. He can be on the end of headers. He can go into speed. He can can finish plays off on the run. He's a very, very complete forward. Talent. It doesn't mean he's the best right now, but talent. He's number two, or number three, excuse me. Uh, Number two, I'm going to go with Fuller and Now. Fuller and Balogun is an interesting case, okay? Because we're talking about a forward who scored in a top five league over 20 goals last season. But I think it's safe to say we've not seen anywhere near the same production. He's not had the year that maybe he had hoped, that you had hoped, or I had hoped. Four goals, four assists. He's struggling to find the back of the net for Monaco. Uh, A team who's in the top three right now of of, of the French uh, Football League. He's not been that player. And what's worse is when you see him with the U.S. Men's National Team, he's not look comfortable. Now, in his defense, him not looking comfortable, he not looking comfortable for the U.S. Men's National Team, to me, says a lot more about the manager, Greg Verholter, and the system than it does this player. But he's in number two right now for me, okay? Fallen Baligan. And as this is a power ranking, so to speak, it's ever fluid. Number one, Ricardo El Tren Pepe. All right, this man. Literally had Greg Berhalter, saved his job, and then Greg Berhalter did not take him to the World Cup. And what has he done with a Very few, limited opportunities since, for both club and country, whether it's PSV or the U.S. Men's National Team, he scored goals, whether it's 30 minutes or whether it's three minutes, this man puts the ball in the back of the net mm-hmm. in limited opportunities and his skill set he's a player that also fits a system combines well with others makes those around him better and he finishes off his chances i have no doubt in my mind that in ricardo pepe we are seen in the u.s men's national team player of the year this year he's a clear-cut mm-hmm. number one for me
0: okay so just to clear something up because when we say depth chart i think people think like all right this is a starter this is the number two this is the number three you kind of said this is more of a power ranking, so for, this is for a me, more little factors. bit of like. But this is more of a momentary thing, right? In this moment, this is your top five, not necessarily like what you think Greg Berhalter's actual well, no. depth chart is, right? Baligan would be one, Pepe would be two, and Sargent would probably be three, right? I don't
1: know. I mean, Jesus Fede would probably be like two. I mean, ba- Balogun's the guy that's no, been what, used what, what all I'm, year, what right? I'm say- what I'm saying, though, like. In all honesty, for Greg Berhalter, and I don't want to get into mine. mind of Greg Berhalter, that's not my job, but if you were doing a depth chart, it would probably flow Pepe, Jesus Ferreira, mm-hmm. you know, over hmm. Josh Sargent. Like sometimes I think that's where he goes, but then I think to myself, well, Josh Sargent was the top nine at the World Cup. He was a guy who Greg Berhalter trusted, and he actually played well. So part of me thinks... Josh Sargent's in that three, two, going on one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very interchangeable, and this is what being a forward is about. You gotta go with the hot hand, if you will. So it's a fluid uh, ranking right here. So don't, if you're a fan out there, relax, relax. Breathe, (laughs) breathe, breathe, okay? Uh, As I I tell my daughter, inhale the good, exhale the bad, okay?
0: Okay, when you say something though, like most talented, Herc, I think that's a little bit nebulous. So give us some specifics there. When you say Josh Sargent is the most talented, what specifically is the talent that he has or maybe that, you know, Pepe and the He's the most complete, and he's the most complete player out of them all. I mean... He, okay, so what are Pepe and Balligan missing then? Well, what, what are they missing that, that Sargent has? Well,
1: Foller Fal- Fal- and Baligan, as you can see on the national team level, international level, he's a guy that's very dependent on his movements and maybe not as comfortable as some of the other players with his back to goal or linking up or being a facilitator for others. I think Josh Sargent's proven he can be that player. And then you look at a player like... Um, Brandon Vasquez, for example, maybe doesn't have the ability to tiptoe that line, to to run into uh, or be that player that uses his uh, movements to create for himself and others. Josh Sargent also does that. Josh Sargent hits the ball with his right foot, hits the ball with his left foot, can score off his head. Josh Sargent is a set-piece threat as well. Josh Sargent, I always say this when I talk about Josh Sargent. You look at Josh Sargent and you think he's some 5'9", little red-headed kid. He's not. If you see him up close, he is deceivingly big. This is a big guy with nimble feet and crisp movement, and he's got the IQ. That's what I talk about talent. It doesn't mean he is better than Farlan Baligan. It doesn't mean he is better than the Ricardo Peppi. I just feel he is the most talented player out of this pool. Not the best player.
0: 5'9 is not little. How dare you, Hercules Gomez? How dare you? At his average height, he screamed into the abyss. All right, so your top five is, is Pepe Baligan, Sargent, Right, it was Pifak, but you changed Peacock out for... No, uh, he's been injured for the last, mass, like, month yeah. and a
1: half. I'm going to be fair to the basically. other guys,
0: right? Absolutely. All right, uh, so Pifak, he made the move uh, to Gladbach, you'll remember, uh, earlier this year. Speaking of guys that have made moves, Johnny Cardoso has gone from Brazil to Real Betis. Uh, this is not league play, but they'll be in cup play this weekend here on ESPN+, Plus, taking on Alaves in the round of 32. That Saturday coverage starts at 2 p.m., Eastern time right here on ESPN plus. To Major League Soccer, we go where it's finally official. Herc Luis Suarez will be joining Lionel Messi and friends at Inter Miami next season. The 36 year old Uruguayan heads to Miami as a free agent after leaving Gremio in Brazil. 26 goals in 53 games last year was his haul. He's got a one year contract through 2024 that'll see him reunited with Messi. Sergio Busquets, and Jordi Alba from his days at Barcelona. Herc, it is a superstar team. They are already the favorites to win 2024 MLS Cup. Is it MLS Cup or bust this year for Messi, Alba, Suarez, and co? It's MLS Cup or bust for Major League Soccer. I mean,
1: this is all the eggs in one basket, right? This is the chips going all in. You essentially are letting Inter Miami do what they want to construct a super team. And this super team has to win. And it has the ability to win. The only problem is Messi and friends, they're a little long in the tooth. They're very talented and will probably smoke teams when everybody is healthy and running on all cylinders. I have no doubt about that. If we saw Messi single-handedly by himself take over League's Cup, take over League's Cup, what do you think he and his friends, well-rested and in tune, can do to Major League Soccer? I have no doubt they can run it. Here's the issue. Major League Soccer, it's not a a you-play-once-a-week type of event. Mm. It's not a Liga MX, apertura, clausura. If you have a good run, you're there, it's over with. It's a long haul. Nine grueling months of season. Lots of travel. And we've seen their congested schedule. Can they do it? Absolutely. Will they do it? I have my doubts. Not because Mm. of the players, but because of... What Major League Soccer is in general, what it encompasses, the travel, the synthetic surfaces, the injuries, the tournaments, the congested schedules, the national team, Copa America year. But it really is not only for Inter-Miami, Jorge Mas, David Beckham, but for Major League Soccer, who desperately need Inter-Miami to be good, MLS Cup or bust.
0: Yeah. I agree with that there, that it's, it's big for the league. They want, in their in their main competition, they want Inter-Miami to go far, just like League's Cup was perfect for, for Apple and company last year. Uh, I think there would be an asterisk for me, just because I think CONCACAF Champions Cup is such a, a big tournament. I think it's a very valuable tournament. If they were to win that and not win MLS Cup, I think you wouldn't call it a bust of a season, right? They would have made history in many ways there. So I think that's out there for them. But to your point about how long these guys are gonna last, can I read you, Herc, a quote from Luis Suarez talking about his, again, 36-year-old knee? This is, this is just recently how he was describing the condition this knee is in. Before each game, I take three pills, and hours before playing, I get an injection. If not, I can't play, hence the limp. I have to think that in maybe five years, I won't be able to play five-a-side football with my friends. The truth is that the first steps in the morning are very painful. Herc, I remember you showing me some pictures of your time with Sholos, huh? I know. I mean, you see that? Inter- how those big are, is those this are wrist needles here? Here? Of, of, of fluid in my knee? A fluid drained out of your knee. I mean, Once this does not sound. This Every is week. not from. This is a month ago or two months ago. These quotes from Luis Suarez. That's that's a big worry here, isn't it, Printer Miami? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what.
1: I- I'm not comparing myself to Luis Suarez at all because they're mm-hmm. worlds apart in terms of everything. Everything, um, but I injured my knee. And as soon as I got the green light from Cholos, the geniuses at Cholos, the doctors and ownership decided that uh, I should dress for a midweek CONCACAF Champions League game just to feel what it's like to go out there, you know, be at the team hotel, go to the stadium, et cetera, et cetera. I do that at halftime. We're up, I believe, two or three zero. And from the ownership, from the owner, there's a a call to uh, the booth, if you will. Um, They want to see me on the field. And I'm medically cleared, I'm just not ready. Uh, I go on Mm. the field, uh, my debut with Cholos, I score a hat trick in 45 minutes. The euphoria sets in. I thought I was ready. They thought I was ready. Nowhere near ready. The knee tells you you're not ready. So you can do special things, but ask me how many goals I scored after that for Cholos. It was a a grand total of zero. You're just not the Mm. same at a certain age, especially with knee problems. So can he do special things is what I'm trying to get to. Absolutely. It's Luis Suarez and he's got the right people, uh, right players around him. His best friend, Lionel Messi. You can do these special things. For how long is the question? Now his knee... Must be in a lot better shape than mine because you saw what he did last
0: year. Yes. yes. At <laughs> Gremio, this is a player. 26 goals in 53 games. That's a, that's a goal every other game. That's your target as a striker, right? That's a top 10
1: right? league in the world. Okay. That he's he's doing it in very. He was good was golden.
0: League. Was he golden ball as well I, in I, that league? I don't. I do. I do not know if he was so. golden I ball.
1: Was, yeah. I, I don't recall. But he's a very good player and he's done it at a good level. A very good level. A better level, if you will. So. I've got no doubt he could tear things up in Major League Soccer. For how long is it a thing? Because you're, yeah. you're, you're good in moments. And as a footballer, listen, we're all hurt 100% of the time. It's how hurt and how much you can recover and you know, get better to be ready for the next day, training or game.
0: Bottom line, you want to be a super team, you got to have the trophies to go with it. All right, so that's uh, one player that's coming to MLS. Let's talk about some players that are staying hurt in Major League Soccer. Uh, We'll start with Miles Robinson, the 26-year-old U.S. men's national team defender who spent his first seven seasons with Atlanta United after being drafted out of Syracuse is moving on, but not to Europe, as many expected. Uh, Despite reported interest from clubs such as PSV, Robinson is staying in MLS after signing a free agent deal with FC Cincinnati, reportedly a two-year contract uh, with an option for a second. So he's not just staying in MLS. He's staying in the Eastern Conference uh, with a move north from Atlanta to Cincinnati. So how does Cincy plan to pay Miles Robinson? Maybe some of the cash they're going to get for Brandon Vasquez. Uh, Now, lots of us also thought that... that cash would be coming from Europe that FC Cincinnati would be getting, but uh, not going to be the case as Vasquez would make the move south to Lia and Mequis to join up with Rayados of Monterrey. Uh, the athletic reporting a fee of around $8.5 million. That's what Cincinnati will get for the 25-year-old striker with eight U.S. caps. All right, Herc, so we got a, guy, a couple guys uh, with national team caps on their resume and quite a few in the case of Miles Robinson who are foregoing European moves in their mid-20s. Are you cool with it?
1: I am more cool with it because of the age. I mean, they're, they're both 25, 26 years old. And if you look at a guy like Miles Robinson, uh, I'm never going to tell anybody what to do mm-hmm. with their money, uh, what they should do with their future. Take care of y'all chicken is what I'm going to say once you get that money. Um, but Miles Robinson is a player that many thought and I think could play at a European level. What that level is, is whatever the case may be. Eredivisie, the, the
0: Belgian Ernie League. Ernie Stewart told us PSV was, was looking at him. And that's a pretty good level. They're, they're in the knockout round of the Champions
1: League. Fine, fine. Can PSV pay him what he's going to get paid? So what we're saying here is he went for the money. I can't fault him for going for the money. I can't mm-hmm. fault him for going for the money if it's going to affect... His U.S. Men's National Team standing. And don't don't you think it will? I don't think he thinks it will with Greg Berhalter. And it's hard to (laughs) argue that. At one point, Miles Robinson was 1A, if not 1B, center back on -hmm. the paper.
0: That's what it was. Is he that now?
1: I mean, I don't think he is, but Greg Berhalter might. And if you think the U.S. Men's National Team manager doesn't care where you play, specifically you, Miles mm-hmm. Robinson, then he goes for the money. He's not at the age where it's 20 years old and I'm thinking, oh, man, well, what could have been? Because the reality is at 26 going to Europe, you're going to go at PSV and who knows after that? It's, I don't think it's going to be a city after your great performance at PSV. There are levels. Is it disheartening? Absolutely. Do I understand it somewhat? Yes, I do. Mm.
0: Yeah, from a personal standpoint, I get it, and I think you'll know this well because in MLS, like you don't, especially if you're a young guy that's kind of undervalued. I think both of these guys, you know, coming out of college in the case of Miles Robinson, um, Brandon Vasquez, they're probably not on big money up until basically now. So this moment in your career is really your your first shot at a big paycheck. Um, and you know how it is for MLS guys, like up until you're 25, 26, you're not making enough money where you're going to be able to, like, retire and live for the rest of your life nicely. If these guys take these deals and they get paid well for three, four, five more years, you know, maybe they might have to work again in television or something. But they're going to be – they should be, <laughs> if they're smart with their money, Herc, uh, pretty well off for the rest of their lives, are you right? You know, these, these, are, these are big these are big money deals that, that Miles Robinson is signing with FC Cincinnati that Brandon Vasquez is going to have. Well, they're very um, different deals. The they're
1: very different deals. Brandon Vasquez
0: – But they're payday deals for both of these guys, paydays that they haven't had yet.
1: No, I listen, I, I don't, from from my understanding... If this
0: isn't a big, big pay raise for both of these guys, they need to be in Europe. I'm telling you that right now. If you're telling me that it's a little pay raise, nah, you got to go to Europe.
1: Well, I think Brandon Vasquez is a little pay raise. I don't think it's a big pay raise. And the reason I say that is because... Well, I'm then a, that's massively
0: disappointing to me. Listen to, to what because I am saying those before. Both of these guys, to you're, to what you're I'm handing
1: saying. away Let me talk and then the national you can argue. Opinion. If you don't like what I say after I say it, that's one thing. But let me say it first, okay? And then you don't like it. Let's go that way. All right. Brandon Vasquez, per these stupid MLS rules and mechanism, he can't make more. Okay, he can't make a percentage more. He can't make a significant percentage more. He can't be a DP off the bat. Now, to my understanding, FC Cincinnati, the way they structure the deal, it's a two year deal. It's with the intent of maybe that year two or beyond being a DP, whatever. Then you're talking about life changing money because what he's on right now ain't going to change his life. I guarantee you. Brandon Vasquez, on the other hand, okay, Brandon Vasquez is going to get a percentage of that $8.5 million mm-hmm. dollars that goes to Rayados. chi in my pocket. Brandon Vasquez is going to get a healthy pay raise, maybe something that sets him off and his family off for quite some time. It's Liga Mekis. They don't do mm-hmm. gross. They do net. So that's a lot of chicken for you right there to take care. The thing with Brandon Vasquez, okay, it, it's a little disheartening for Miles Robinson because he's Firmly in the US men's national team picture. Okay, and at one point, 1A or 1B, however you would like to think of it. Mm-hmm. And Tim Rehm is getting long in the tooth, injured, and probably at some point going to be phased out, like I've been saying for quite some time. So you would assume in Europe, it's a natural progression for him to be. Firmly in this picture, but with the amount of players coming up, young players, mm-hmm. center backs in the national team pool, the youth national team, the U23s are going to go to the Olympics, etc. It's going to be difficult for Miles to stay in that picture, and, and, and forget the picture, forget the starting spot in the picture, in the picture. Now, Brandon Vasquez, yeah. I, I just need the top five U.S. men's national team forwards. Nines. You had him in there. You I had did. him in there. I did. Why did I have him in there? Why did I have him in there? There are players in Europe. Who are younger, Brandon Vasquez, 25 years old. Players in Europe who have been doing a lot longer in Europe, okay, who are injured or not active at the moment, so they won't be there. Duncan McGuire is nipping at his heels and will be playing the Olympics. So you're saying
0: Brandon Vasquez doesn't have a shot effectively at the national team, so he might as well take this. What I'm
1: saying is you weigh your options. Now, Mm -hmm. I find it odd that Brandon Vasquez, okay, has told outlets that it's Europe. FC mm-hmm. Cincinnati has told outlets that it's Europe, and here we are going to Liga MX. Mm. I'm not going to judge him on taking the money, but if you think Liga MX is going to get you and keep you on the national team, on the U.S. men's national team as a nine, I don't think that's the case.
0: The uh, reported numbers for Brandon Vasquez, he's going to make about $6.5 million over four years. That's... Uh pretty Net. good chunk of change Net. there nets exactly Net. exactly uh but the but the clubs that were interested in him huh they were lining up as well remember a couple months ago it was a lot of gladbach we were hearing uh but there was apparently a lot of interest out of England as well brentford fulham middlesbrough all kind of uh sniffing around so apparently not enough interest to outbid Rayados, which speaks again to the buying power this is big also dog.
1: on FC. This is also on uh, FC Cincinnati, um, by the use. way. Okay, because there's three parties that to be happy here. It, it, so maybe mm-hmm. there's it's also on FC Cincinnati because yep. if, if if these other clubs weren't paying as much as this club, all parties have to come to terms.
0: And we know they drive a hard bargain because Gladbach wanted them in the summer, and FC Cincinnati yep. said, nope, we want yep. that supporter shield. All right, let's move on from FC Cincinnati, Herc, to one of your former teams, the Colorado Rapids, who are making big moves, bringing back not uh, one but two. U.S. national teamers to Major League Soccer. Jordi Mihaljevic, the 25-year-old attacker, is returning to MLS from the Eredivisie, where he played last season and a half with Azed Azmar after joining up from Montreal. And Zach Steffen, 28-year-old goalie, signing a three-year deal, joining from Manchester City, uh, although he last played for Middlesbrough, where he was on loan. These feel like good moves for the Colorado Rapids, Herc, but what about the players themselves? What do you think from the player perspective?
1: Listen, one thing we need to take into account when we're talking about Brandon Vasquez or we're talking about Miles Robinson or we're talking about, you know, Zach Steffen, Jordi Mikhailovich, whatever the case may be, is uh, this pool... It's as deep as it's ever been, the U.S. men's national team Well, the American pool, I should say, not even the U.S. men's national team pool, the American pool. And what I mean by that is not every single player that goes abroad will be part of the U.S. men's national team setup. Maybe a pool, so to speak, but they won't be part of the setup. So it's OK for each one to individually do their thing, decide what's best for their future. And Jordy Mihailovic is a player that tried it. It didn't work out, and maybe that wasn't his level. Maybe his level is Major League Soccer to be very successful for the Colorado Rapids. Maybe that's the case. I don't feel that's the case for Zach Steffen. I think for Zach Steffen, this is Zach Steffen thinking to myself: Listen, I tried it, I tested it, I've not gotten the offers I need to play in Europe. Realistic offers for City, for myself in the Championship, whatever the case may be. Let me go down here, okay, and play again. Let me go down here and feel confident again. If I wanna be part of the US Men's National Team setup with these goalkeepers who I think are struggling, if I wanna be there, I need to play. If I wanna be there, I need to be looked at. This is an opportunity for Zach Steffen to be looked at. At one point, he was Greg Berhalter's boy. I don't know how damaged or severed that relationship is from going from being, that's my guy, Greg Berhalter my guy, I'm his guy. He's my coach. To not being one of the three best goalkeepers, from being the starter to not one of the three best goalkeepers and being out of the World Cup is a tough pill to swallow. So maybe that's his way of getting back in that picture. Now for the Colorado Rapids, I applaud you for being ambitious. I really do, but who is making these decisions? The three Colorado You don't like DPs. these moves. What, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about Zach Steffen. I'm just talking about it in general. You brought Chris Armas. The, the DPs that they have, uh, they're on the hook now for Cabral, one of the DPs. It was last year. Mm-hmm. It was the Galaxy. They're on the hook now for him.
0: Steffen's uh, not a DP deal,
1: right? No, he's not a DP deal. He's yep. not a DP deal. But you, you can see that there are certain positions you spend on, you should spend on, you can spend on. And there are others that... Maybe you shouldn't. I'm of the vein in Major League Soccer. You shouldn't spend that much on goalkeepers because I think the American goalkeeper has been historically a stronger position and you could find value elsewhere MLS next uh, the Columbus crew have a champion who came out know, of LNX Schulte, next Schulte's Schulte is a yeah. very good goalkeeper so uh, be smarter with your money and I'm not saying Zach Steffen's not a very good goalkeeper but some of these decisions some of these decisions I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. you're spending I really am because I was with mm-hmm. the Rapids when when Stan Kroenke decided to make a stadium but not come out to mm-hmm. opening day mm-hmm. so I'm glad yeah. that you're spending but some of these uh, decisions are a
0: little head-scratching From the player perspective, man, the only thing I would ask is, what were the other options for these guys? Right. You know, because clearly they need to relaunch their career. And if your best option to relaunch your career is not only to go back to Major League Soccer, Herc, but to go to what is universally thought of as the worst-run organization or one of the worst-run organizations in all of MLS. St. D.C. United. Um, you, yeah, there's there's a few others, but you know Colorado's right at the top or bottom of that list, however you want to word it. Yeah, it's definitely top. Um, three. You got to be desperate. You got to be desperate to make a move like this. I think, and and good on these guys if that's where they feel that you know their careers are. Can I give you the odds for Colorado to win MLS Cup since sure. you don't believe in the Rapids? Plus ten thousand. Uh, so it's, I think that means a ten dollar bet gets you a
1: thousand bucks. It's Major League <laughs> Soccer. Like there are has and have nots, absolutely. But we're seeing cases where you could be in the dumps and make a run. Look at Houston. Houston was two games away.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the National Women's Soccer League. The NWSL hot stove season is well and truly on. The free agent signings coming fast uh, and thick, and nobody is working harder than the folks at Gotham FC, who look like they are very set on (coughs) defending last year's championship. They've already uh, added Crystal Dunn from Portland, Tierna Davidson from Chicago, and as of today, both Rose Lavelle and Emily Sonnet from O.L. Reign, who of course Gotham beat in the NWSL title game two months ago in San Diego. What a story it is as the super team assembles in New York. Gotham FC already features U.S. stars Lynn Williams, Midge Purse, Kelly O'Hara, just to name a few, and just adding more red, white, and blue to their ranks. Crystal Dunn is our next guest here on Football Americas, now of Gotham FC. Just signed a new contract, having gone through the, I'm sure, grueling process of free agency. Crystal, welcome back to the show. Great to have you, and congratulations. Well-deserved.
4: Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: So you and I talked kind of at the end of last season, and I mentioned, hey, you know, free agency's coming up, and you had that twinkle in your eye, um, I remember. So tell us a little bit uh, <laughs> about the process. Can you compare it to anything, and and what was it like? Because I know it's something that uh, the players in the league have really fought for.
4: Yeah, I mean, free agency was quite an incredible experience. Um, I feel like I can kind of closely compare it to choosing a college all over again. Um so it was it was quite a process um it fell in a very weird time of the year i mean in september when you're still committed to playing for your current club team and you're you know competing for a championship but at the same time you know i was able to balance both you know be present obviously at portland thorns at the time and also be able to kind of explore and 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 kind of test the waters of where i could potentially move to next
0: Crystal, free agency is a topic for me that is really interesting just in terms of how important it is to the NWSL. Uh, why do you think it's so key for players to kind of have this, I don't want to say weapon, but but something that they can utilize to kind of choose their, their futures?
4: Yeah, I think free agency um, is super important for players to just be able to advocate for themselves, to be able to, you know, place their value where they want their value, you know, and I think um, it's been a long time coming. Um, I've been... Playing in this league for a very long time, I've played for four different professional teams, and um, those were all through trades, and I was very fortunate to be able to be traded to the teams that I wanted to go to, but that is not the fate that most players face in in the NWSL, so I think free agency is really important because players should be able to you know, really dictate where they want to play and be able to join a team that is going to value them and be invested in them. So I am yeah. such a big fan of it. I've enjoyed my experience with it, and I hope in the future more players can have access to being free agents. So
0: let's get into the t- decision, right? The nitty-gritty of kind of why you chose Gotham. Aside from the fact that they're now the reigning champs and it's a little bit of a, a hometown move, uh, why else yes. Gotham FC? Or maybe maybe the hometown factor is, is a big deal. I'd imagine at this point in your career it is, Right
4: yeah I mean it's massive I would be lying if I said it wasn't really like top top priority I think at outside of that as well I think I know a lot of these players you know it's funny because I have moved around from time to time on different clubs and I feel like almost coming home is a great comforting feeling but also joining a team that has so many players that I've played alongside you know at some stage in my career there's Lynn Williams you know there's Mitch Purse there's Katie Stengel, that I played with at Washington Spirit, you know, Abby Smith and Yasmeen Ryan, I was just at Portland with them. So like, I almost feel like I'm joining a team where I'm like, I know these girls, I know their talent. I know, um, you know, who they are as people, but also as teammates. And so I'm really excited to feel like I'm, for the first time in a long time, I'm joining a team where I'm like, oh my gosh, like these are my people, you know, like um, every other move, I feel like I almost had to be like, all right, I'm joining a new team. This isn't my team yet. I have to kind of feel it out. It's like being that new kid at a new school. You know you're like looking around you're like oh my goodness what like who who's gonna be my my friends who's gonna be my group you know kind of thing but um i do feel like i'm coming home not just to family and friends but also to players that i've i've played alongside with at some point
0: i mean are we about to have a a, a dynasty on our hands here
4: i mean listen i i truly believe we are on the horizon for that because um you know we're gonna have some some scary good talent which is incredible Um, but like I said, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, the staff is going to have to work their magic and make sure we are all, you know, doing what we need to do. I mean, honestly, with that also comes a lot of pressure. I mean, everyone's always like, all right, are you expected to win back-to-back championships? And I'm like, listen, I accept the challenge of basically being a part of this team moving forward. I I absolutely want to do everything in my power to make sure that we are the most successful team possible. Um, especially if we are going out and getting a lot of talent. I'm like, ooh, the pressure's on for us to, you know, perform. But listen, you know, with that comes a lot of responsibility, but it's it's gonna be an amazing challenge ahead of us.
0: And there's also, you know, a big year on the international stage. We've got the Olympics coming up, which for the US women's national team, huge opportunity, kind of right the wrongs. Um, yes. of the last World Cup. How do you feel as, as you think about that tournament, which is now only, you know, what, six, seven months away?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's like around the corner, it almost feels like. Um, but, you know, Olympics are hard rosters to make. You know, only 18 players. Um, we have amazing talent, obviously. And so I feel like it is a roster that I would be incredibly grateful to be a part of. But um, but like you, you touched on, it's like it's another big stage, big opportunity for the U.S. to kind of um, you know, move forward in a very positive, powerful way. Um, and so might as well start the very next year after coming off of the World Cup that we had last year.
0: You know, you're one of the few people that if I want to ask what's Emma Hayes like, I can get a real answer. You um, worked <laughs> with her at Chelsea for, for a couple years. We actually, fortunately yes. enough here at ESPN, we got to work with her um, as well during the women's Euros a couple summers back. Oh, yeah. And the intensity, Chris, I'm sure you saw this as a player, but the detail <laughs> Um, of the preparation really blew me away. I mean, she showed up with dossiers of the entire field, um, and it was like you had all the information you could ever want. And I just imagine as a player, like, what a huge asset that is um, to have. What more can you tell us about kind of Emma Hayes and
4: working Uh, on her? I mean, you touched on it. Emma is so detailed-oriented. She is such a tactician that that is the number one and the first thing that I felt when I joined Chelsea. You know, it's like I felt that she – did her homework she really did all the preparation needed in order to make us the best players that we could possibly be um and she's a winner you know I think one thing that her and I bonded over was American mentality of like always wanting to win like pushing for that success and she complimented me a lot while I was there on just like that that kind of like do never say die kind of mentality um, because that's something that she instills on all her players and I know her time coaching in the U.S she definitely like felt that um, but if I can describe Emma, it's just you know a win by any means necessary kind of mentality. She cares genuinely about players, not just who we are on the field, but also who we are as people off the field. And I think that that is so unique because most coaches, yeah, they want to win and they you know do care about you as players in some degree. But I think caring about both who you are off and off the field, I think, is what brings out the best player in you. You know, having a coach that really is invested in you as a human being, I think. Um, is something that she is mastered, and she really brings players along the way to just, you know, believe in everything she says because she truly is someone who genuinely cares about you.
0: How do you think the fact that she'll kind of officially take over, and I know she's already had a, a hand in things, just before mm-hmm. the Olympics maybe impact preparations, do you think that's something that, that you guys can overcome and truly be ready for this tournament?
4: Yeah, I believe so. First and foremost, we have no choice but to you know, crack on and kind of just accept that this is how we are, you know, transitioning into this new phase. Um, Emma has put a lot of time into Chelsea. She is literally, you know, that's her baby. So she is so deserving of basically seeing out the season. Um, I can only imagine how hard it is for her to balance this new job, but also remaining present in her current job, competing for, you know, Champions League and and winning the, the WSL. So I feel like um you know we are giving her the grace she needs in order to to balance both and we know that she is doing everything in her power to make sure that we are readily prepped um you know come olympic time but in between that time there's constant communication she has a lot of people on the ground who are connecting with with players to make sure that we have everything we need um so it's as seamless as it possibly can be
0: all right great to have crystal Dunn on the show not the first time but always a uh always a good conversation. The full version of that conversation by the way will be on the ESPN FC YouTube channel. You can check it out there. It'll also be available for you on the podcast as well. So, looks like Gotham are building a super team. You think they can live up to that lofty label? Well, what's
1: that lofty label? Is it winning the league because they've done that? Or is it mm-hmm. being a dynasty which you mentioned to Crystal Dunn? Mm-hmm. Now, she I- didn't back down from that, did she? Well, no, she didn't. She did not. How about the rest of the team? Now, something tells me they will not as well. What are there eight U.S. Women's National Team players on this team? Uh, they're they're very set up right now with capable players in their prime, up-and-coming players, the future of the U.S. Women's National Team, and they're the defending champions. I don't think it's a situation where it's like we spoke about Inter-Miami and the men's side where it's MLS Cup or bust. No, I think you're building a dynasty. Now, I'd asked mm. right before we went on air, we were talking, When's the last time that you recall seeing a team, a a, a women's team, whether it was NWSL or any other women set up here in the country where they had this much star power, forget star power, forget the names, this much Mm -hmm. firepower, this Mm -hmm. much capacity for for domination on one team. So because of that, and, and I think you said, the Thorns, and rightfully so, they were probably the last time yeah, the they NWS can think Yeah, there hasn't
0: been. Maybe if you go back to WUSA, WPS, Fire. there were some teams. But modern-day NWSL, there's never been anything like
1: this. Now, what's crazy to me is free agency just opened up, and the salary cap almost just doubled, and you're seeing yep. all, all these players go to one team. That is yep. nuts to me. That isn't insane to me. It's like in the blink well, of the a, that's eye. That's
0: a credit to Gotham FC, right? You, you they you must be to, doing something, right? If
1: you want to. And well, let's credit Gotham FC if you want to. But this is very much so of the vein of, of LeBron calling his friends, let's go to Miami. You know, right, like Messi right. calling let's his go friends, to New York. Let's, let's go, go to, to Miami. Gotham. It just seems like they got together and say, let's go to New York.
0: Yeah. And and, and with good reason. I think they got a they got a former player. Yael Everbush is a, is a name that a lot of folks who have, uh, covered and watched this league for a long time will know a former player running it. I think that's a key to their success. People want to go there. It's a major media market. So a lot of these players who have sponsorship dollars, now all of a sudden in New York, those sponsorship dollars are worth a little bit more. And what I'll say is this, uh, just like MLS needs super teams, NWSL could benefit from a super team, right? We, we heard from Steve Chirondolo yeah. when we were at MLS Cup. He was saying, you know, the league doesn't really help. Now it looks like, you know, Inter-Miami is doing some things with the super team. But I hope NWSL doesn't get in the way of this. We haven't even mentioned Esther Gonzalez, the World Cup winner from Spain on this team. Um, so they're loaded. They're the defending champs. And right now, you got to say, I haven't seen futures because I know a lot of books out there don't make futures on the NWSL, but i got to believe that they would be the favorites just why, like why Miami. Why do you think or,
1: NWSL would, would try to change this or get in the way of this is, is what I understand?
0: Well, just generally, any salary cap league, is aimed at parity, right? But the, well within the salary
1: cap, if, if good players want to structure their contracts to play together, what can you do? Mm-hmm.
0: No, I mean, you can't do anything. And, and long-term, as I truly believe, that's, that's, what, that's what benefits the league. Super teams, big names, rivalries, that's the kind of stuff you need. You're not going to get it by having, I think, what MLS has had for the last 25 years, which is team can pop from top of the table, bottom of the table, middle of the table, from one year to the next we have a parting shot, which is some breaking news that broke what, maybe an hour and a half, a couple hours ago on Sports Center uh, down in Mexico. Sergio Dip, who is uh, very close with Javier Chicharito Hernandez, announcing that Chicharito is set to join Chivas after all. Uh, we talked about this a lot, Herc, over the last few weeks, months on this show, wondering where his future would be after his time with the LA Galaxy came to an end. Uh, what do you make of this? Okay. Um- Obvious question.
1: Would he be a good fit? Uh, Would Chivas be a good fit for Javier? And would Javier be a good fit for Mm -hmm. Chivas? For Javier, um, I think it's the best fit. We're talking about a player who's 36 years of age. Who's mm-hmm. literally on his uh, last leg, uh, so to speak. I'm, I'm talking about, uh, you know, his final chapter of his career. And, and what a way to end a legendary career because that's what it's been. The all time mm-hmm. leading goal scorer of the Mexican national team in what is easily one of if not the most popular team in mexico folklore it's
0: his team and it's, it's his, his team. team it's his dad's it, team it's it's a family it's the team.
1: romantic in you that wants mm-hmm. to see it come full circle and a team that desperately needs a big time player is he the right fit for chivas If he is healthy, I've got no doubts, he will score goals. He's currently training at the ground, which is Breck Shea and Jeff Cameron's training facility in Miami. I've seen the videos, he's been hyping up the videos and he looks fit, he looks fit. It's one thing to look fit in a controlled environment, it's one thing to look fit in a 30 second viral video, it's another thing to be in a high intensity training or to be in an official game. Where it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's about what you can do in that moment. If he is fully fit, I've got no doubt he's the player that they need on and off the field. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by off the field is there is no player with that cachet. There is no player of that magnitude, that leadership in that locker room. And there's no nine on that field. There really isn't. Marin was a goal scorer for Chivas. He scored four goals. I believe three of those came in one game. J.J. Macias, J.J. Macias, he's coming off his second ACL tear. You don't know how he's going to respond. Rios, Danny Rios, he never really played. So you, you really need that type of player who can carry the load on the field. And Fernando Gago, being a new coach, is going to need somebody like that. Don't worry about the money. Let's not care about the money. I don't know what it's going to cost. Let's not speculate. But is he a player that can be, ut- can be of use to Chivas? Absolutely. This is a, a dream come through for, for the Chiva hermano, for the Chiva fan. And it should be a, a dream scenario for Chicharito, who gets to come back home and in his career the way he wants to.
0: Uh, quickly, before we get out of here, give me an over-under on goals for him, provided hell in his first season back with Chivas. Um... What would that number be at? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Wow, that's, that's a
1: that's a goal every other game. Now, and I'm taking I'm taking a, right. a flyer here because it's reconstructive surgery in his mid 30s, and until right. I mean that right. number can go up after I see him after one game, right? Or it yep. can go down. That's just a reality.
2: Yep.
0: All right, so there it is, uh, Chicharito, late-breaking news. Looks like he is headed back to Chivas, where it all began, for the Mexican legend. That'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. Thanks so much for joining us. Herc, before we get out of here, what you wearing over
1: there? Oh, my good friends at Rhode Island FC. This is the energy jersey. Mm-hmm. Parky, thank you, appreciate it. Michael Parker is
0: a legend. Ain't no jersey sweeter than that one. That's a nice jersey. Shout-out Soccer Warehouse. You guys get me. We'll see you on Monday, uh, back with lots, uh, including a discussion on the drama surrounding Alexis Vega. Again? Hi, what a fallen star there in the game.
1: Again?